Kim. Live from the Finley Toyota ESPN Las Vegas studios, this is the Press Box with Grady and Bischoff. Oh, say does that star-spangled banner yet wave or the land of the free and the home of the brave. Ed Graney is out all week. In the day for Ed is Darren Millard. Welcome to the show, Darren. Did you hear those applause? The What was that? Ryan Wallace the clapping? Smattering. Yeah, it was. I don't know. It might have been Carnell. Carnell was my coach. Golden Pipes. Golden was, Pipes was, was my coach. Clapping. Yes. As you finished the nap. <laughs> I, I think he was clapping because it was over. Because it was over. Because not not because of the execution of it, but eh, <laughs> I delivered on the uh, lost bet. That was almost a year ago. Almost a year ago. Ed Graney's going to join us at seven fifteen. Which one's Ed? Talk to him this week. That's a good question. Where I haven't is he? Seen him in like five days. Yeah. It's been a long. Oh, time. he doesn't come in. He normally does, but he's gone. He's, he went to cover the yeah. Raiders game in Kansas City and then straight to the owners' meeting. Where are the owners' meetings? Uh, Dallas, I think. So, are they always in Dallas? I, they're wherever Jerry Jones says they are. Yeah. Because <laughs> the NHL, it, they rotate their owners' meetings, their board of governor meetings, between like the Florida coast or Pebble Beach. So like it's, it's like two really good locations. They just don't plop them in wherever one owner says. So the NHL beats a Jerry Jones? Apparently. No. Be like, come come to my place. The the Board of Governor meetings in the National Hockey League gather a bunch of Canadian media in really cool places. Oh, that's that's right. why They're everybody all from goes. Canada. Yeah, You're exactly. Like, oh, it's cold here. Uh, we're going to get into some hockey. Before we do, mm-hmm. though, there is breaking news in the NFL. Baker Mayfield has tested positive for COVID. Mm-hmm. So the Browns are most likely going to be without their quarterback on Saturday against the Raiders. He can still play, but he's got to produce two negative tests uh, 24 hours apart between now and Saturday. I don't think anybody in the NFL has done that in a three-day time period. Uh, There have been players that have tested positive early in a week, had the two negative tests, and returned on Sunday. But I don't think anybody's done it on a Wednesday with a game on Saturday. Yeah, unless it's a false positive. Right. So... It appears as though Baker Mayfield's not going to play if the game does, in fact, get played because Kevin Stefanski, the Browns head coach, also tested positive. The Browns had, I think it was eight guys yesterday that went on the COVID list. They could end up with more today. I've seen a couple of tweets reporting that nobody in the NFL has discussed postponing the game this weekend. But if the Browns get enough, obviously you get to a point where he gets postponed. We'll talk about that at 715 with Ed also a little bit later in the eight o'clock hour. How big is the practice roster? Oh, boy. I think it's they upped it to 15 players this year. Hmm. There's quite a bit, but you know, <laughs> big opportunity coming. You get like 20 guys on there. Then yeah. You, you Johnny <laughs> Stanton, starting quarterback. <laughs> the first bite. Will Max Pacioretty ever stop scoring? He has scored in seven straight games. He has scored 10 goals in those seven straight games. Uh, when he scored his 10th goal last night, he was outscoring three other teams, entire teams, in the month of December alone. Uh, this is like one of the most incredible streaks a Golden Knight has had. It, it is the most incredible streak. I, I, well, I mean, of any stat, well, anything you want to put together. It's, but but it's, keep in mind, he's also uh, riding a nine-game point streak. 
which has totally overshadowed the seven-game no. goal streak. No, the funniest part about that is that Mark Stone also has a nine-game yes. point streak. No love. And nobody knew about it until so, I, I, it might have been you. Somebody on the broadcast said it last night. I was like, oh, yeah. that's nice for Mark Stone. Yeah, it's, 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 it's wild what's Good happening job, between these two, two players. That's what I do. I inform the, and influence the world. Uh, the the nine-game point streak is, is fun. The seven-game goal streak is starting to get into some really cool company. Now, there's about 200 occasions that somebody has scored in eight or more consecutive games. That sounds like a lot, but it's really hard to do. Uh, but the record, the modern-day record, is 13. So we're, we're just past uh, halfway uh, to, that, to that record. And that's the all-time record. Uh, overall, if you want to go back to the earliest days, 1922, Punch Broadbent. Scored in 16 consecutive games. Did they have goalies in 19? Uh, I, I believe they did. They just weren't very good, <laughs> and, and they were frozen because because they were out outdoors. Uh, the seven the goals in he seven straight games. Lawns in the off season. <laughs> and the, the the goals in seven straight games and the way he's scoring them, that's been most impressive. He's not just bouncing them in off off shoulders and and knees and through 15 sets of legs. Like he's breakaways and, and power play goals. And like he is absolutely going right now and full credit to this entire streak and coming off missing six weeks. Yeah. This is, yeah, he's just back. Like he just came back from mm-hmm. missing an entire time where he wasn't even skating, right? It's not even like he yeah, it was a weight bearing yeah. injury. It's not like he had a shoulder injury and he could skate around. Like he, I assume was somewhat out of shape when he came back and He's good to go. Yeah. Cardiovascularly? Yeah. Cardio-vascularly. Like you? Yeah, I'm probably out of shape. Yeah. When probably. was the last time you worked out? Like, did anything hey, th- I did fitness-related? I had to do, so I had to go to the heart doctor because I fainted a few times. Mm-hmm. That's a different story we can get mm-hmm. into. Uh, but I had to go. I love that. I had to go do the little you stress test. Oh, the, the, stress, the stress test? Yeah, on a treadmill. Yeah, Got yeah. the results no. back. Doctor said I have a high tolerance for exercise. Really? Yeah. Now, the person doing the stress test, did they keep apologizing every time they had to up? No. The resistance? No. Or the pace? Not at all. Because the one time I did it, uh, she kept apologizing. I'm sorry. Were you struggling? No. I don't think so. Okay. But she kept apologizing. Maybe she just assumed that I was there for the stress test, that uh, there was something wrong with me, and I might just fall down. (laughs) And she wasn't too keen about uh, picking me up. No, Pacioretty's brilliant. And the Stone thing, and then you add in the Chandler Stevenson, seven assists in in two games. It's... it's, it may not get individually. You realize this, it may not get better. Right. It's been an insane yeah. month for this line. We're just witnessing incredible history. Do you remember when Max Pacioretty scored in, in seven straight? And Jersey, Rangers, Islanders, some teams that can give up some chances there. Teams that give up goals. Give up goals. <laughs> and, and, I don't know whether Shesterkin's uh, going to be back or not, but you, you, you've got an opportunity here to keep this thing going. So the big picture question on this line, mm-hmm. Jack Eichel. Oh my goodness, are you one of those people? I, of course, you would be one of, of those people. I'm one of those people. What do you mean? What? We're not just going to sit here and give a round of applause for 20 minutes for Max Pacioretty. Got an actual conversation about it. I'm of the belief that Jack Eichel plays in your top line. So. Granted, they're not going to keep doing this for the rest of the season. But 
we have seen Chandler Stevenson for this isn't the only time Chandler Stevenson no. playing with Stone and Pacioretty, and they've been very good for different parts of three seasons. Uh, it's a very good top line for one of the better teams in the NHL. You think Jack Eichel comes in regardless of how good they are with Chandler Stevenson. You put Jack Eichel with Stone and Pacioretty. Right off the bat, I would put Jack Eichel down the lineup. Hasn't played in a couple of years. And I would let him get a comfortable and, and find his rhythm. But long term, Jack Eichel is on your number one line. So my thought on it is that I can't believe you would have an opinion on this. You would not put Eichel with Stone and Pacioretty because, because Chandler Stevenson's so good that you're getting close to, you know, mm-hmm. one of the best lines of I hockey type that. production. And if Jack Eichel comes back and is Jack Eichel, you can get another line going where you put him with, you know, Evgeny Dodonov and whoever else on the third line or something like that. Now, the big problem for the Golden Knights, though, is that the regular season, yes, they need to make the playoffs, but this is no regular season accomplishment is going to be a successful season for the Golden Knights. It's all about the playoffs. Yeah. And where this team has struggled in the playoffs is they've run into series and they stop scoring, right? Mm-hmm. They've had that happen like three series over the last couple of years. Which Jack Eichel will help no right. matter where he plays. And so if you get into a playoff series and for whatever reason, Stone and Pacioretty can't score again, that to me is when it makes 100% sense. Yep, Jack Eichel go up there and if those three can't score, then you're, you're going home. Like that's your, your series is over if those three combined can't score. But to me, I, I like the idea of having... A, no, the, you like the idea of chaos. Well, that too. But I like the idea of having, you know, the Marshall Carlson Smith line being a good NHL line. Stone Nobody wants Patrick to mess Reddy. with that, right? Yeah. You, like you, I, that's what I, I love about this. People want to uh, adjust the top line that's going gangbusters right now, <laughs> but nobody wants to touch the misfit no. line. Well, okay. See, here's here's almost how I would view it. I would almost view it as as like players in pairs. So you have Patrick and Stone and. Uh, Pretty much regardless of who plays center between them. No, no, that's not true. I know. We just La- saw Keegan Colasar. Yeah. I know. But you can put somebody there and they're going to produce, right? You could view any two of the three in the misfit line as a pair. And then Dodonov with somebody else. whether Or excuse me, Eichel with either Dodonov or mm. the third from that. To me, if you have two of those seven players spread across three lines, you're going to have three really good lines. And I think that's the best way. So where's Eichel in it. your scenario? With Dodonov and whoever is healthy to play on the third line at that point. Um, maybe it's Matthias Janmark. Maybe it's Nolan Patrick if he's back by then. Whatever it is. But that's where he'd be. And again, if you run into... It could be in the regular season, but more importantly in the postseason. If you run into a stretch of, hey, struggling to score. This team so can't you start again. the playoffs with Eichel on your quote-unquote third line. Right. And here's the other thing. You don't have to keep the guy on the same line the entire game. No, no, not not even the entire period. Right. So, like, if you get in, you know, if especially in the playoffs when you have a much shorter leash in terms of when you make changes, mm-hmm. if you're down to nothing and halfway through the second period, yeah, Jack Eichel's moving up and you're playing that those three as much as you possibly can. But that would be my first inclination is to split up the talent as much as you possibly can because you're probably going to get what's wrong with loading pressure. up what like what is wrong with loading because up the other lines have to play yeah and you're gonna have good players on those other lines but not as good as jack eichel i love chandler stevenson uh, nobody's been a bigger uh flag waver for chandler stevenson than me because of what he does to Max Pacioretty and Mark Stone. His mom. He makes them better. They produce more with Chandler Stevenson at center. 
And uh, I've been selling that and, and trying to convince people, uh, national media, for a year and a half on that. But what Chandler Stevenson did when the big boys were out this year was lead this team in scoring, which proved to me that he can play with anybody and still put up points. So I put him down, and I put Jack Eichel in on the top line. If that doesn't work, and there's no guarantee that, that, that that's going to work. Like the Buffalo Sabres brought in Taylor Hall to play with Jack Eichel. It didn't mesh. There's, 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 not, there's no guarantee. Uh, and I, I put that more on Taylor than I do uh, Jack because Taylor's had a couple of little stops where you thought, <laughs> this is going to work, and, and, and it didn't work uh, since the New Jersey MVP. Uh, so I, given the production of Chandler earlier this season, I slide him down and load up. Yeah, when you're down 2 nothing and you're down 3-2 in the series. You just want chaos. It's not chaos. There's nothing chaotic about I'm it. I'm not playing my $10 million center on the third line to, ba- to balance things out. Do what Gerard Gallant did. Don't call it the third line. Just don't, be like, I don't number my lines. I don't want balance. I want everything top heavy. If you could play that line for 60 minutes a night, I'd agree with you. I can't even get a spring on this microphone. I've got a, I, do I have to hold I've on to this thing, this. the whole thing? Coming up time? next, Ed Grady joins the show. I should have known. She didn't like me. I don't think anybody likes you. Jared, if you put your hands up like that again, we're getting a new producer. I like me. It's the Press Box with Grady and Bischoff. Joining us now is Ed Grady. Good morning, Ed. How are you? Fellas, how are you? Guess who's here? Well, I know who's there, and I want to thank him because I saw he was very excited on Twitter last night for giving nicknames out to the top line. Yep. And I'm just glad Maroons were already taken. So Misfits I, uh, of the Maroons was, I thought was Maroons right there. would be a nice, nice nickname for the first line, but Tyler and I already have that, so you can give them whatever you want. Uh, I, I won't say what we decided just yet in case nobody saw it, so we'll hold off on that. But the best, the best submission, the best submission – was MCN Grand? I thought that yes. one, that that one should have won, but we went with a different one. That Boy, one you are excited won. about this team. But, I mean, more than usual. I know we, we, they're, <laughs> they're scoring a pile of goals and, oh, and they're yeah. they're winning games. Sharpie's hey. having to run the table at the end of the year just to make the playoffs. Listen, it's going to be great till the conference finals, my friend. You 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 you, you, put, you can put that to the bank. <laughs> so, what about, where are you? Are you in Dallas? In Dallas, yeah, in, in Dallas, Texas, yes, yes. Awaiting uh, supposedly a big announcement today for the uh, city of Las Vegas. Is it that the Raiders game is going to be postponed yeah. on Saturday? <laughs> it's a Darren Millard is starting a quarterback for the Cleveland Browns this week because he's the only one who hasn't tested positive. So, all right, there's going to be a big announcement about the Super Bowl in Las Vegas, yeah. but I, on the on the Browns and their situation now, where Baker Mayfield's in COVID uh, protocols after a positive test, Kevin Stefanski, their head coach, as well. They've got like eight other players. There potentially could be more today. I, I mean, at some point today, do you guys say like, hey, the Super Bowl is nice and all, but are they playing on Saturday? This is a chance for a win for the Raiders, I think. Uh, but, um, <laughs> you know, uh, I I don't think so, you know, and, and I don't, none's been forfeited yet, the whole protocol thing since last year. And we talked to someone at the NFL yesterday, and he threw up his hands. He goes, hey, that's why you got a practice squad. Call them all up. So exactly. if that's the way the NFL's thinking, then I don't think it's getting canceled now. We might not know who's out there for the Browns and never heard of some of those people, but uh, they didn't appear, at least the NFL people here we talked to yesterday, when all these positive tests were coming in, 
they didn't appear worried that there would not be a game. They just said, hey, it's on them, and, you know, start calling people up. So where does this leave the Raiders in the whole scheme of is it opportunity or is this just setting up for one of those epic stumbles? Oh, boy, what a question because they're, they are – have to epically stumble uh, <laughs> for the past several years, but look, I mean, if they, I don't know if they, I'm sure Tyler had the numbers this week. I don't know what their playoff percentages are, or how their chances are after that debacle uh, in Kansas City. But if this is what's happening, then you know you go in and win, and you have what we would be three left, and you get a little more hope, and you hope you know things are going to have to happen around them. People are going to have to lose around them to get in that tiebreaker situation. I think at this point, but yeah, I mean, it's a huge opportunity to go on the road and get a win from a team that's obviously going to be really shorthanded. Is this not the break in, in, in a really sad and uh, scary fashion, but is this not the break that they need something to go their way, like uh, uh, lighten the load on them and, and give them uh, a bit of uh, an opportunity for something to go their way? Oh yeah. Yeah. And after, like I said, after Kansas city, they need something. I mean, that was atrocious. So they need, they need a break if you know, they're going to stay in this playoff hunt and, I don't know if there's a bigger one now. I mean, you know, make make Mayfield test positive today. I just learned, and I'm sure you guys have already talked about it or seen it on the wires. And uh, you know, I mean, now your quarterback, your head coach, all you know. I don't know if they have a tight end left. So this is a huge opportunity to get a win and then feel good about yourself coming home, and you know, maybe get back in it. NFL is weird. Look at the scores every week. Yeah, who knows what's going to happen game to game. Should they want to stay in it, or should they be looking at draft picks? Uh, well, I think they tell you they want to stay in it. You know that. I mean, uh, the people on the outside might say, is it really worth it after watching them the other day? Even if you get in, you'd have to go on the road, you know, and, and probably get beat. So I think the players want to get in. in. Yeah. You know, and the fans, I mean, they're completely, you know, uh, devoted and crazy. So I'm sure they want to stay in it, but you're right. Long-term pitcher, they got to start rebuilding from the bottom. I mean, Tyler's talked about this a lot. I mean, they're, they're just not they're just not good enough to win it all. If you're not good enough to win it all, you can either stay in like a sense of mediocrity for a very long time, which they have, or you can turn around and say, you know what, it's just not it's just not worth it. That we had a sports writer in the uh, press box the other day when it was just a thirty-five to three. Said, so just fire them all. Just 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 end it. I mean, because they're not going to win anything. Why would you say that? Silly. Well, because they're not going to win anything. <laughs> if you want to win, you've got to make a lot of changes. And I do think a lot of changes are coming. Um, hopefully we'll talk to Mark Davis today. Mark Davis will be very, very happy today, I believe, with the announcement. And probably won't want to talk about Kansas City, but we'll have to ask him anyway. Uh, 4.8%. Those are the Raiders' odds or chances to make oh. the playoffs right now. Wow. It was, well, it was over what? 60% like six weeks ago. That MC Hammer top line for the Knights have a much better chance for that. So that, uh, that four point eight percent, if that would be a lot better if the decimal was moved over one spot to the right. Yes. And even that then be you're below better. fifty. Yes, even then. <laughs> yeah, exactly. below 50. You can move the decimal, you're not really close though. <laughs> Ooh. Um go ahead. Anything else happening there? Or are they just announcing the sewer? Like, what have you been doing for the last two days? Um, well, Sitting in a media room, I mean, the owners' meetings are very, very, let's say, tedious to cover because they're in rooms all day, and you literally wait for them to break, and then you hope they'll talk. So, you know, the salary cap went up yesterday. They talked about the COVID situation. Yesterday was all kind of labor and negotiations, really kind of, let's say, tedious stuff, and you kind of wait there and 
I got to talk to the Raiders president about, um, you know, bringing big events to uh, to Vegas. He wouldn't go. No one's going as far as kind of confirming what they're going to announce today. But and you never know with NFL owners, they could get in the room. But I'll tell you what, given who we <laughs> given who we hear is flying here for this announcement, and in fact, the Raiders announced a special announcement at Allegiant Stadium today. If it doesn't go their way, there's going to be a lot of people like uh, really bummed. So you know, you just kind of wait till they come out of their room and you see who talks and. Uh, I think today, obviously, is the biggest day with the announcement. Where does the Super Bowl coming to Las Vegas rank in our city's history? The that's, biggest event ever? Um, well, it's one of the biggest events ever. That's a good question because I wrote before, and I think I'm going to write this again. Like, I've always been a side of, like, I don't think we need it. Hundreds of thousands come to the city anyway. Millions of dollars are exchanged hands. Millions of dollars are bet over the weekend. They're still in the hotels and all the stuff they tell you about it. But I think you should want it. I think you should want like the world looking at your city and your and your businesses and your people and your town and all the you know all the uh, publicity it gets. Um, but they're just Vegas isn't like Philly or Minnesota or these other you know the other cities that really really need it and want it. But I do think you should want it. I mean, it's the Super Bowl. It's one of the biggest events in, you know in sports every year. So I think it'll be great. Um, well, hopefully we'll see the contract today. This is what happens. I mean, you're you're given the Super Bowl. And then I'm sure already they've been given the book the size of Summerlin of what you're going to give the NFL back because you are going to right. give them back. Uh, you know, just as an example, when I was in Minnesota, I looked at the book. You know, you're going to build two new cell phone towers. We're getting security for every one of our guys. You're going to throw these parties. We want 35,000 parking spaces. I mean, when you take this on, they give you a huge book of what you're going to give them back, which I think a lot of people don't realize. But again, it goes back to the perception of if you have it, you're a big-time city, and the world's watching you for that week and specifically that day. So I do think you want it. I've just never known if they needed it in Vegas. Can I rephrase the question? Sure. Is this Super Bowl in Vegas bigger for people outside Vegas because they're excited to come here, or is it bigger for Vegas landing the Super Bowl? Wow. That's a really good question because they come anyway, like I said. Like, and the other thing you're going to hear today is economic impact. And Tyler and I have talked a lot about this. You know, when you hear those numbers today, there's a lot of really, really smart people in the world who say, those not, are, those not really the numbers. You're not really making the money off that. And it's like with stadiums. You're not really making the revenue say off it. But it is a huge, huge deal to host the Super Bowl. So given we have, you know, three, I, the year I was in Minnesota, I think they estimated 300,000 people came to Vegas that weekend when Minnesota hosted the Super Bowl just to be there and at the you know at the sports books and bet. It's probably bigger for the town because you're going to get people coming to Las Vegas anyway during the Super Bowl, whether it's there or not. Well, he is Ed Graney, live from the NFL owners meeting. Ed, can't wait to see you again. That'll probably be what, yes. next week? Yeah. <laughs> Bright and early, my friend. Right. Darren, it was a pleasure, as always. <laughs> Buddy, uh, at some point, you and I are going to be in the same room doing a radio show together. Doubtful. And, and I can't wait for the Super Bowl for that to happen. Doubtful. There you go. 2024. 2024. Thanks, Ed. Thank you, guys. Bye. Coming up next, we talk to your own Weitzman, who was in the building, for Steph Curry breaking the NBA all-time three-point record. My problem is I don't want guys who can't shoot shooting threes. That's my problem with all the three-point shooting. I want Steph Clay, James, Kevin, I want all the great shooters. But the problem we got in the NBA, we got bombs taking threes. That's my problem with all the threes. Everybody can't be a great three-point shooter. Please stop. Joining us now is Jerome Weitzman. He covers the NBA for Fox Sports. He was in the building last night 
for Steph Curry breaking Ray Allen's all-time three-point record. Uh, and your own, you wrote this morning about it, and I thought it was interesting that uh, the way you sort of picked up on that this just became a big deal out of nowhere, and like three weeks ago, most most well, most sports fans, even most NBA fans, probably couldn't have told you how many three pointers Ray Allen had hit in his career, or even thought that it was a big deal that this was a record. Uh, yeah, right. I mean, that's kind of my like the lead up to the game, and I'll be a little honest, like I, I wasn't planning on going to the game. Not that I'm not that I. Uh... Not that I, you know, take that stuff for granted, but there's other stuff going on. And my bosses called me. They thought it was important to go. They were all excited about the game being covered and seeing other people there. And there's this, this buzz around it. And I was thinking, like, am I off? What am I missing? Because I did not care so much. I love Steph Curry, but I wasn't into that record. And just try to think about why that, um, why the record seemed to be resonating with people so strongly. I found, uh, I think it's interesting. So why is it resonating? Um, so talking to different people, one is it's some, I think part of it is it's Steph. Everyone loves Steph. Um, Steve Kerr talked about this before the game, that just he's authentic and genuine and he appeals to people in this way. And we've seen it, right? He's become a phenomenon. And I think that him and LeBron, we're going to remember this generation of basketball him and Le, for him and LeBron, right? They're going to be the, they're the icons. It's not saying that they're better. Like Durant's a great player, probably better all time than Steph. If you're going to start ranking guys, right? But if we kind of think back to, like, this generation of sports and this era of the NBA, I think Steph and LeBron are the icons, and we're always looking for, you know, when you have sports icons, you're always looking for reasons to celebrate them, and this has become one of the reasons. I also think just the three-point record is so singular, and it's so representative of Steph and why, or one of the, and one of the reasons he became iconic in terms of the way he changed the game. Like, I don't know, what's the example, I don't even know what it would be, like, what's the example of another record, another record and player being, and the player holding the record being so perfect for one another, if that makes sense, right, in terms of the record and representing what that player represented. Ichiro, extra base hits. <laughs> He's good. That could be actually, not, yeah. but not as a. But 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 it's yeah, not like, like we're not celebrating it. Correct. Why? Well, because yeah. it didn't. Oh well, here, here, the better example. Let's say that. So let's say Ichiro extra base hits, and then all of baseball started going with extra base hits instead of home runs because of right. Ichiro. Like that would be the comparison, right? Yeah. Um, and that was and Steph. You know, he did a three pointer, and the game is just. It, and look at every different at every level. Like the way he played completely changed the foundational. Uh, nature of the not just the NBA but of the sport of basketball at every level right like so when I grew up Reggie Miller was my favorite player because he was a skinny guy that talked trash and shot threes and I love mm-hmm. every single thing about that and the insane part to me is that you look back and Reggie Miller for his career attempted less than five three-pointers a game which sounds insane yeah. <laughs> to think like oh this guy was a great shooter and if a guy shoots like what what is that like Brooke Lopez for the Bucks over the last couple of years like that's insane no, exactly Exactly. It's um, yeah, I know exactly, right? Like you look at some of these numbers. You, there are so many numbers. Like the one I like to use, I don't have it in front of me, but you know, the seven second or less Suns, the team that we call, oh, they changed the game. They played fast. They took so many threes, and I think like the amount of threes they took a game would be like last in the NBA now, right? <laughs> Things like that. It's just crazy. It's just crazy. That that was back in the day when the people that like painted the courts or put the the marking down on the court were, would put the three point line on, and then went, why are we doing this? Not enough people. Right. Not enough people take advantage of this for us to even put this tape down. Exactly. Exactly. 
exactly. And that's what that's what and that's what Steph did, right? And he's not the only one. And, and Kerr articulated this a little last night. Um, I think it was before the game. You know, like the, Dan, the other guys who deserve credit, Dan, whether it's D'Antoni or Ray Allen types, or even like the um, the Miami Heat, the LeBron teams went positionless a little bit, right? Stuff like that. But but Steph grabbed it and accelerated that. And like, I think about this: how many players will be benched for Steph Curry? Players will be benched for shooting a shot two feet outside the three-point line. Now, like every point guard, not only is that shot accepted, it's like almost required if you're going to be a star point guard to be able to have that 30, that 30 foot pull up three, right? That's just part of the repertoire, part of the game. Uh, how are the Warriors back to being like the dominant team in the NBA again? Um, so they, <laughs> I mean, healthy staff and healthy Draymond, right? We're learning. Um, and it, this happened actually quietly and people missed it because of, you know, the world being on fire and stuff. But the, the second half of last season, when they stopped playing James, you know, I might be got hurt. They stopped playing as much, but basically they, they focused on winning games. We're not going to worry about development. We're going to win games and whatever. We're going to play guys who can play along with Steph and Draymond and play the way we want to play smart, moving the ball, uh, tight defense, all that stuff. Players actually finished last season. Um, I think it was like with the league's number two defense and they were really good down the stretch. Um, so it started last year. So you do that and get a healthy staff. You get Draymond. Like we, we all know Steph's playing great on defense. The Warriors have the number one defense in the NBA. I don't know if casual fans know that. And, the difference between them and like the number two is the same as the difference between like number two and number, I don't know, 14 or something was the last I checked. Um, so, you know, when Draymond is locked in, he turns you into this incredible defensive team. And then Steph on the other side carrying you, they're getting good play from Andrew Wiggins. Um, and it's either you, know, you put all that all together and then you combine that with the West being a little open with the injuries in Denver to um, Kawhi Leonard in L.A., uh, the Lakers problem, and suddenly you have this opening where it's like, oh, wait, the Warriors, look at them. Is Jordan Poole actually this good? Uh, define this good. I mean, <laughs> Again, if, if, you can cut, if you can hit open shots and you can cut, right, and like you can play smart, then on the Warriors you can thrive because of the amount of attention that Steph generates and because how brilliant Draymond is. So, like, could he do this on another team? I don't know, but... Um, this team, he's certainly thriving, and, and, and like there's no reason to think that's not legitimate. Do you think Ben Simmons get trade gets traded in the near future, or is this just all going to fizzle again, and we're stuck at the same place where he's in purgatory, not playing for anybody? Uh, that's a good question. Um, I want to say, yeah, I, I do think he'll be traded. Um, <laughs> it's funny. The thing working against the trade happening would be if completely like goes in the tank and, you know, drops 10 to 12, I'll make this up, right, and goes to a point where they're really far down the standings. And then if you're Daryl Morey, does it become the, like, are you, <laughs> is his calculation going to be, well, we have no shot at winning a title this year anyway. I don't have to trade Ben. I could wait till the offseason, right? That would be the only way I could see it not happening. Um, he's not going to play for the Sixers, but that, that would be the only concern. Otherwise, I expect, you know, I don't think they're going to completely punt this season. And, um there's enough going on in the standings and enough teams with some stuff happening around them that, like, there'll, there'll be bites at I mean, it's just can, can Maury figure out a way to put together what will probably have to be a three-team trade to get him what he feels like he does, he, what he feels like is a fair return for Ben Simmons. So, okay, the idea of fair return is interesting because Daryl Morey's talked about, you know, the, not wanting to give him up for a role player, wanting to give him up for a player yep, that yep. actually helps them win this year. I know Sham Sharnia reported like seven different teams. You know, the Kings were in there. The Pacers were in there. Like, wh- who is the player? Like, or what's like the level of player? Like, can they get De'Aaron Fox? Can they get C.J. McCollum? Can they get uh, Demonis Sabonis? Like, 
is that the level of player they actually get in return for Ben Simmons? Um, it's, I mean, can they, I think they could probably get, like, it, to me the better question is, if the De'Aaron Fox type is the highest you can get, like, is that, well, Maury, is that good enough for Maury, right? That to me is the other way around it. Um, and, cause I, and what's interesting is I don't think they're going to get better than that. Like, I don't think Damian Lillard is going to be traded to the Sixers. I'm guessing Maury's betting on those things continue to go south and, you know, chaos. Um, the other thing to keep in mind is, like, Ben Simmons is a poor rising player among GMs. I don't know. Just because a player, Bradley Beal said, I'm not resigning. He, hasn't been, said, he said that in Washington. I'm not resigning. I'm going to be a free agent. I'm going to leave in the offseason. Um, there's no, like, some people think that, okay, if him or Lillard demand the trade, the Sixers have the best player. They can get them. Um, but there's no guarantee that, like, the GMs, okay, the guy we want to trade for, the guy we want to build around is Ben Simmons. And there's that to keep in mind. Um, I think what we, I, what I think will end up happening is, a De'Aaron Fox type player, level player, um, with some other stuff. So you won't get a star, but maybe you'll get that guy in a three team type deal with a pick and another player, stuff like that. That's what I have. That's like if you ask me a bet, that's what I would bet is the final, um, what we end up seeing in terms of the Simmons trade. I have no idea who or what team, but that would be my bet in terms of what we see. <laughs> well, he is your own Weitzman. Again, he covers the NBA for Fox Sports. Uh, your own, as always, we appreciate it. Thanks, guys. So there is your own Weitzman on the NBA. Steph Curry breaking a record. Do you care about all-time three-point record? I think it's cool. Okay. But I, I didn't know it was a thing. You didn't know it was a thing. But like the most triples in baseball, the most doubles in baseball, the, the, every, every sport, every category has got its thing. Yeah. Uh, most goals by a right winger in hockey, all, all that kind of stuff. Everybody's got a thing. Who has the most goals I, by I a right winger in hockey? Uh, Mike Bossy? I think you asked like yeah. I would know the answer. Yeah, I'm to on that. it. Yeah, uh, Bossy or <laughs> Anderchuk. I think Bossy. Uh, but everything's got its thing. Now three pointing is is when you, when you shoot that you always if you're on the basketball court at, the, at my playground you you take your shot. I think yeah. it's cool to do it to, to hit it. But I don't know whether it's a, you you we just had your own on for twelve minutes. Yeah, we spent six minutes of it talking about other stuff. I that, don't think to me, shows where the right. all-time three-point record is. I think it's fun. I don't think it's, like, some massive deal, mm-hmm. especially because he's he's going to blow it away. He's going to play another five-plus mm-hmm. seasons, and it's going to be not even close. According to records.nhl.com, Mike Bossy is number 10 oh, yeah. for goals as so a right winner. So I got a top 10. Who that feels not even close. Who is it? Gordie Howe. Ah, yeah. Should have got that. I feel like you weren't even close on that. No, I wasn't. Who was number two? He he guessed I, ten for one. I I know, but I've I have advocated that this player come back and play for the Golden Knights. Really? Oh, Yarmir Yager. Yager, yeah. nice. Yeah. Coming up next, he can still play. See, 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 that just shows the significance of all these other records. Yeah, you just made up the right winger one though. That's not yeah. real. Coming up next, <laughs> maybe Yarmir Yager should play in the Olympics. A little bit of trouble back behind the net. Bruins gather control. In front, they score. Bergeron. Patrice Bergeron. Tenth goal of the season and breaks the goose egg. It's now the Bruins trailing 4-1. to one. Darren is stunned. <laughs> There's got to be an angle here. What do you mean? What? Why would you play that when the team won 4-1? He's never uh, he he doesn't he doesn't listen to the show apparently. I listen to the show. 
I always play the other team's goals because it doesn't make any sense to play the song We mm. Gotta Stay Positive with All right. good things. Okay, I, never wanna, picked, I never picked up on that. You want a fun tweet? Yes. So last night I tweeted, goal scored in December, Max Pacioretty 10, yes. Sabres 9, Canadian 7, Coyote 6. Mm-hmm. Somebody responded to it this morning. I'd like to know, how does it feel to put hockey teams down when they're already down enough as it is? Please tell me, does it feel good? Yeah, why do you pile on like that? Because uh, it feels good. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I'm with you on, on those stats. I love it when, when <laughs> one individual player is beating an entire organization more successful than an entire, when, whether it's power plays or, or wins or whatever it is. It's awesome. It is. All right. Yeah. Is the NHL going to the Olympics? I don't know. I, I don't know. And uh, a week ago, I would have said, no-brainer, yes. Now I don't know. I won't say it's not likely, but it's fallen into the category of very uh, uncertain. So the detail that's sticking out is that if you were to test positive in China during the Olympics for COVID, you would have to quarantine there for three to five weeks. Yes. Connor McDavid yesterday was asked about that. He called it unsettling, though he <laughs> said he still wants to go to the Olympics. Um I listen, I can understand why anybody would say no. Robin Leonard's already come out and said that he's, he's not going to go to the Olympics. He's not uh, going to do that to himself. The possibility of quarantining over there. I and the bubble, the restrictions, right. yes. like yeah. it's going to be really tight. So like I get it from that standpoint and I'm curious, like, do we have the league at some point come in and say, all right, just, just nobody's going, we're making this decision or no, league, league said, the, it's up to the players. So the does, players will make this decision. So when you say players will make it, does that mean each individual is going to make it, or is that what? Do you think the players will come together as a group and say, "All right, we are all not going"? The or, so you think it'll be they'll yeah, come the, together? The eventually. National Hockey League Players Association will make this decision collectively, okay, on whether or not there will be participation from uh, the National Hockey League, and they will go uh, on that. Now, now certain players right. may so still, still want to no. go and be disappointed. Yeah. Uh, or or vice versa. There, if if the National Hockey League Players Association decides that they are going to go, there will be some players like Robin and more uh, that will opt out. You won't have uh, a one hundred percent on board uh, situation here. So if they do not go, mm-hmm. we've got three weeks built into the schedule. Yes, where there are no games because NHL players. Hello, are going to the Cabo. What happens for three weeks? Well, the National Hockey League, I was told at the start, had a separate schedule. I don't, I don't think that's the, the actually accurate. Uh, but I do know in corresponding with league officials this morning that the league, because the back half of the schedule after, after February is jammed. Yeah, It's really intense. Uh, if the National Hockey League doesn't go to China, they will attempt to play some games inside that three-week window. So maybe the, the the break will be 10 days, and then they come back, have a bit of a camp, and and we'll try to play some games. They won't be able to – every team might not be able to play games, but there will be certain clubs that will uh, play games, whether it's ones that have been postponed or will be postponed, or try to get rid of some games in the back half of the schedule to lighten the load. But the attempt will be made based on uh, building availability – to play some games if they don't go. Right, because that's the other thing. When you you know turn in a schedule and there's three weeks off, most yeah. of these buildings, if they're able to, are going to fill the arena with some They're going to try, event. but l- right. like, let's be serious. There's not three weeks of concerts. Yeah. 
uh, filling up these buildings. Like, but there could, they're not jammed. There could be enough to ruin a schedule plan. Complicated. I, yeah. I I think they'll be able to in uh, some games that uh, that most clubs, I'll say twenty five clubs, would be able to play some games uh, in in that third week. We won't go three weeks. It, it, listen, if the National Hockey League isn't going to Beijing, the NHL isn't going to stay shut down for three <laughs> weeks. That I can guarantee. It'd be a fun you. vacation, wouldn't it? It. <laughs> there's a few of us that have made plans. <laughs> I. I will Where say are you three, going? Two, one, one Cancun. <laughs> I will say. I will say that that there, there have been plans put in place. Where are you going, Darren Millard? Well, I was going to China. Now I'm not going there because I withdrew. Were you uh, going to call games? Uh, yeah, get it uh, for moral just, reasons. Uh, well, more for my kids and my family. And you had that fun Japanese airport <laughs> hotel experience. <laughs> exactly. Seven <laughs> Eleven sushi. Hey, and and by the way, the the idea that not wanting to be quarantined in uh, Beijing for five weeks. That's not it. It's I don't want to be quarantined for five weeks. That's why players don't want to go, <laughs> regardless of where it is. You yeah, don't want to be we, stuck in a room. What's wait? What sports are you going to call? Hockey. Oh, you were going to call. Yeah. Look, yeah, it was, it was a dream come true. It was oh. my dream, but it's it's just I I can't afford to be quarantined for five weeks and miss my job here. <laughs> can't. Golden They'd Knights. replace you. Ed Graney would be doing you. You'd come back. Ooh, what an and Ed Graney for would Ed. be on TV. Be incredible. I think if it was Ed, you'd be fine. You'd get your job back. Welcome, Maroon.